This is Pastor Sid <clears throat> coming to you from my home and my sunroom. And it's been a nice day, been a busy day. Today I decided to wear a dark blue button-down shirt. I've had to, I've been trying to go multicultural, multicolors, and be um, uh, diverse in my um, leisure wear while we're at home. Um, I wonder how many of you know how many different colors I've worn over the past few weeks with my shirts. So go back and look and listen to the sermons and then uh, shoot me a text or go to our website and tell me uh, what color shirts I had on each week. And uh, then you'll find out if you're colorblind or not. But uh, sometimes we just do things for fun. Today I want to talk to you um, on several subjects, uh, but one central theme. But I want to read to you from the gospel of Jesus Christ, maybe in our thinking, our speaking, and in our heart. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, I'm going to read to you from Jimmy Carter's devotional book, Sources of Strength, in just a few moments. Um, it's an interesting time in which we are living. We're trying to get through this pandemic. We're counting down to the presidential election. And I encourage each of you to vote, to exercise your right to vote. Um, and follow your conscience, do your homework, I, I would say, uh, with an open mind. We see a lot of unrest in our country and in our world, and let's all try to be instruments of peace, uh, instruments of reconciliation, and be mindful of people's hurtfulness and when we're communicating. When we're talking politics, uh, let's try to listen and share with each other when we're talking the scriptures the same way with our feelings. And I, I, I've just seen so many folks torn and, you know, they just can't reverse what has happened. Uh, but you can. Somebody has to uh, uh, say, I'm, you know, okay, I'm, I'm wrong. Just, I'm wrong. Or I'm sorry, you know. My friendship with you and my relationship with you is more important uh, than what I think or what you think in all of these things. But that doesn't always happen. 
It doesn't happen in church. Churches split. People won't reconcile. Marriages break up. So we can only hope that we find reconciliation and, and, and pull together. But I do encourage you to exercise your right to vote as an American. It doesn't mean that you have to vote to be a Christian. Uh, some religions don't believe in voting or even patriotic uh, things. But, um, but I encourage you to do those things that influence your daily lives and, and, um, and do your homework. <clears throat> That's the teacher in me. I was trying to play Greatest Thy Faithfulness. That's a hard song for me to play, but it was one of my mom's favorite. This past, uh, the 21st was her birthday. She would have been 95 years old, and she's been gone seven years, and uh, it's uh, been, you know, a real adjustment, but uh, it doesn't really get any better. It's different as a friend of mine has always said. So maybe your morning, maybe your um, going through a tough time, you've lost someone, but just remember that they're always here and we have to have faith that God is faithful. My mom loved that song, great, we sang it at a funeral. And uh, trust and obey when we walk with the Lord. All we can do is trust and obey. So folks that have lived a long time uh, on this earth, they know that sometimes there's just no clear answers to things but we trust in the faithfulness of God. We see morning by morning new mercies we see, and we accept the pardon for our sins and the hope for tomorrow. Great is your faithfulness, Lord, and help us to trust and obey you. So this is from Jimmy Carter's Sources of Strength, and the little scripture that he uses there, um, and, and the topic is, why should we read the Bible? From Saint, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, woman of God too, equipped for every good work. In December 1996, uh, President Carter says, I was on The Tonight Show, Discussing my book, Living Faith, the host, Jay Leno, or Leno, showed a videotape of some extemporaneous interviews with people he met on the streets of Los Angeles, in which he asked them questions about the Bible. The answers were both hilarious and disturbing. For example, there were some who thought the first commandment was freedom of speech, that Eve was created from an apple, and Noah's Ark landed on Mount Everest. President Carter goes on to say, I played the tape for my Sunday school class, and subsequently some sent me a news article, or someone sent me a news article, containing funny comments by students about the Bible, including these. <clears throat> Pardon me. Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. The seventh commandment, thou shalt not commit or admit adultery. Thou shalt not admit adultery. The epistles were wives of the apostles. 
A Christian has only one wife. This is called monotony. One middle-aged woman interviewed by Leno responded proudly that she had a Bible in her house. When he asked her to name the last time she had opened it, she said she thought it was when she had used it in a college course. If we're honest, many of us might have to say the same thing. But if we bought a new automobile for which we had saved for several years, there's little doubt that we would study the manual until we mastered it and would refer back to the text whenever we had a problem. I do that, don't you? I have several thick books on how to use my computer and printer, CD-ROM, encyclopedia, and other books on how to explore the internet. The authors of Word for Dummies, Windows 95 for Dummies, and other similar texts have gotten rich. Yet the opening manual for life on earth is sadly neglected. We don't really need a Bible for dummies, since the meaning of the inspired Word of God is, to clear, is clear enough to meet our needs. The scriptures are full of interesting, shocking, helpful, and inspiring stories, but unfortunately they go unexplored by many of us. The theologian Paul Tillich says that religion is the search for truth about ourselves and how we relate to God and to other people. Since this is the essence of life, it is obviously valuable for us to understand these relationships. One way is through the study of the Holy Word of God, the Bible. Another theologian, Karl Barth, said, our relationship to the Bible is like being inside a house and gazing out at a group of people on the street. They're all looking toward the sky with faces expressing delight, wonder, pain, hope, guilt, or joy. They're obviously intrigued by something remarkable, perhaps miraculous or mysterious. But out of our view, for thousands of years, these have been the reactions of hundreds of millions of people who read Genesis, Isaiah, Micah, Luke, and the letters of Paul, or even Revelation. Shouldn't we be curious about those what those millions have seen? Paul's letter to young Timothy quoted at the beginning of this introduction was probably written before any of the four Gospels. These two verses are the most succinct biblical description of the value of scriptures, the inspired Word of God. That doesn't mean that every translation or interpretation of scripture is literally accurate. We can select and isolate verse here and another verse there and use them to justify almost any of our personal prejudices. In fact, the earliest and most constant conflict between Jesus Christ and certain religious leaders of his time occurred because they were inclined to focus on individual verses or their interpretation of them instead of the essence of God's message. That's so important to remember. They were so concerned about exactly what one could do on the Sabbath, what was acceptable to eat or to wear, and the detailed procedures for worshiping and making religious donations that they forgot that God was a creator filled with love, grace, and forgiveness.
That's so important. Let's look at some other words in Paul's advice about reading the scripture. Reproof means constructive criticism or self-analysis and correction. Means improvement of our behavior or our priorities in life. Training in righteousness means learning to do God's will or becoming more Christ-like. The meaning of the other words is clear, but equipped for every good work warrants a few more thoughts. All of us can try to live an average life, nothing special, but good enough to get along and to make us feel self-satisfied. i got a friend that always says, all I try to do is get along with you, Sid. But an important reason to study the scriptures is to help each of us define and strive for a transcendent life a life that reaches above and beyond what is normally expected of us. From Scripture, we can learn how Jesus lived and what he set forth as proper priorities for human existence. We are aware of his opportunity in moments of exaltation and inspiration. When we are embarrassed by our own inadequacies or perhaps when we are in total despair, the Bible offers us concrete guidance for overcoming our weaknesses and striving toward the transcendent life for which we were created. It's almost always, rather, almost always helpful to share our studies or questions with someone else in whom we have confidence. For the last 20 years, Rosalind and I read a portion of the Bible each night, says the President. When we're together, we alternate reading aloud and when we're apart, we enjoy knowing that we are contemplating the same text. We have been through the entire Bible several times in Spanish to practice our foreign language as we nurture ourselves spiritually. That's a good idea. After a personal uh, witnessing experience with Eloy Cruz, an admirable Cuban pastor who had surprisingly rapport with very poor immigrants from Puerto Rico, I asked him for the secret of his success. He was modest and embarrassed, but he finally said, Senor Jimmy, we only need to have two loves in our lives, for God and for the person who happens to be in front of us at any time. That simple yet profound theology has been a great help to me in understanding the scriptures. In essence, the whole Bible is an explanation of those two loves, the love of God and the love of neighbor. What we have been taught by Jesus, the Old Testament, all through all religions, whether you're looking at Judaism, Christianity, Islam, or anything else, are people who are, are not of any faith. Moral codes tell us that we need to, to love each other, respect each other, we as Christians believe that love and God come first. We don't understand everything there is about God and this Bible that we talk about so much. Jimmy Carter's a pretty smart guy, pretty spiritual guy. Teaches Sunday school every Sunday still up in his 90s down in Plains, Georgia. But he'll tell you first that he doesn't understand everything in the scriptures. But all of us feel that way. I look on Facebook a lot of times and I see folks talking about particular uh, issues, some are political, some are just 
social issues, some are this, that, and the other thing, but they're always quoting scripture to back up what they have to say, and then the other guy backs up with the scripture. And so the interpretation is, is between the two, and, and, and it's very often personal, or personal, what we think. And so, so what does that mean? Is there an absolute, are there literal interpretations of the Bible? Um, do, are we supposed to take everything literally? Well, if we look at what Jesus did, what did Jesus do? He taught in parables. And what are parables? They're stories to tell a truth, to tell a principle, to tell something uh, to live by or to, to take note of and to teach a lesson. I believe that the Bible is inspired. I believe that God spoke to men and women through the years and, and put these put down historical facts and literature and poetry and songs and all of those things throughout Scripture. And, but we come to a point when we try to be so literal about some things. It also amazes me, you know, when I look at so many different faiths, I hear different people's political views. Uh, I've heard people name maybe two things that's always a deal breaker. No matter what else the candidate does, it may be totally opposite of what Jesus taught, of what the Bible teaches. But they'll look at their own personal thing that they they have a problem with. And if that candidate is against it, then I'm for him or her. But same thing with churches. That church you know, allows this and this one doesn't. Forget everything else they do. That preacher, that person, my neighbor. This book is not meant to be an excuse for you to hate people or to disenfranchise people or to, uh, you might not, you might want to hate what someone does. That's your prerogative. You might not agree with someone. But God wants us as Mr. Carper said, to see the big picture and to find principles and things that inspire us to do good for God and for our fellow human beings. When we talk about our creeds, we say we believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, <clears throat> was crucified, dead and buried. The third day rose from the dead and ascended to heaven and was seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from there he come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and forever shall be, world without end. I've had people ask me about the creed, why do you say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church when you're a Methodist? Well, we're not talking about the Catholic Church, the Church of Rome, the Roman Catholic Church, we believe in that. It's part of the body, but Catholic means universal. All Christians, all believers are part of that great big universal church. 
And you are. And you should proclaim your faith. Think about that creed, what it says. Think about this when you pray for people. Our Father, who art in heaven, our, our Creator, our Parent, who art in heaven, holy is your name, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who trespass against us and sin against us. Forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. All the evil that's in the world, ever how it comes and it presents itself. Deliver us from that, Lord. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Yours is the reign. Yours, this is your world, God. power and the glory forever and ever. That's the model prayer. Love God with all your heart and mind and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. By doing this, Jesus said, you fulfill the whole law. You know, these guys were always looking you know, for little ways to get around things or what was most important. Mr. Wesley said, do no harm. Do good and attend to the things of God, God's ordinance, sacraments. In other words, stay in love with God. Three simple rules. It's really easy to live in this world and to live in harmony with other people when we do that. And if we put someone else before us, if we put God first. So I encourage you this week, and particularly in this political season. And in this time of uh, social justice and unrest, to seek God and to seek common ground in thinking of what you should do and how you should relate to other people. And our church and in our denomination and all the differences that are there, let us seek to be together, to love as we were loved. So go this week in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, our Creator, our Redeemer, our Sustainer. Go in power and go in peace. Because great is the faithfulness, great is the faithfulness of our God, our Creator, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, our Sustainer, through presence that we cherish so much. Amen.